Hi everybody, welcome back to the Life Like a Movie podcast where we help you live the life of your dreams. Taking an approach of dealing with trauma, dealing with the negativity that we deal with in our lives because like I was telling to Kathleen before, I used to think that life was all about positivity but I realized that there is less about adding positivity on but more about releasing negativity or releasing trauma or stored emotion from our past and that's really oftentimes the very first step to really finding out what our purpose is and finding out what desires are real for us. So I'm very pumped up to have Katherine Holsack on today and i um, smiling because I hope I pronounced her name right. <laughs> and um, yeah, just really excited to have a conversation today about breath work and, and trauma and whatever else seems to come up in this um, alternative medicine space, although I wish it was the normal medicine space because it's so powerful um, and a lot of the practices are free to use. But um, Katherine, maybe introduce yourself, um, share your story, how you got into this space and we'll start from there. Sure. Okay. Um, well, like you introduced me, my name is Kathleen. You can call me Kat too. That's probably easier. Cool. <laughs> um, so I am currently a practicing athletic therapist and breath worker in Winnipeg. Um, I grew up just west of Winnipeg in a small town and moved to Winnipeg um, to start university in 2010 and have been living in or around the area ever since. Um, so yeah, so probably the quickest way to do this without giving a full bio. <laughs> um, long story short, I got into the therapeutic space. Athletic therapy was my chosen direction. Actually, back up, I actually started in a teaching degree. You started in a teaching degree teaching. and then it went to athletic therapy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I did a year. I, you know, I was one of those kids in high school that really loved all the different sports. Yes. Um, and kind of couldn't imagine my life without that. So yeah. I kind of left high school thinking I'll just stay in high school and be a high school gym teacher. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Yes. Um, and I've always loved teaching, coaching, that kind of thing. So it seemed to fit. So I went, uh, got into University of Winnipeg in their teaching program. And liked it, like especially like you know in that program you start your practicum as the first year, so you're right away doing some volunteer work. Oh, beautiful! I was working in adult ed, um, oh, yes. which was an interesting experience, but I I liked that demographic. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't the best student for no other reason than I think in hindsight I maybe wasn't as engaged as I could have been in some of the co- first year coursework. Yes. Um, after that first year in the teaching program. Didn't know I was going this direction, but ended up taking a gap year. That's when I went to New Zealand. Okay. Um, pursued. I, I'm I'm also a horse girl. I'm a horse rider, so ah, <laughs> that's what led me to New Zealand. I got a job at a farm there. Oh, um, it's because you you grew up in Carmen. Yeah. So there was uh, more of a farm country. If anyone doesn't know Carmen in uh, Manitoba, yeah. it's like an hour and a little bit outside of Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. So definitely farm town. Like, yeah. Definitely all that. Um, I went through a 4-H program with the horses. Yes. Um, was showing hunter jumpers competing um, up until my well I'm actually getting back into it now but at that point had been showing um, competitively uh, in that sport so um, had a lot of injuries yes (laughs) athlete in different sports but especially that sport had a lot of injuries coming into university so is that sorry to interrupt is that part of what pushed you to study this for sure yeah that's exactly where I'm going (laughs) okay sorry I I Um, so yeah, so I started this teaching degree and also started seeing a few different therapists when I got onto campus. Um, you know, to summarize, you know, being in a small town, you don't always have access to a lot of different therapies out there. So you, know, you had your right. physios, you had your doctors, had a chiro, um, had been seeing some of those for different injuries, but never really had any changes happen because of that. So no, so you went to chiro, physio, and medical doctor, but yeah. no real changes in your physical health. Yeah. And kind of, you know, I came into university actually with a lot of chronic pain actually for like a 18 year old. 
Um, so I started mm. seeing on campus, they had an athletic therapy center, started seeing uh, a therapist there who's a mentor to this day. And, and also oh. at the same time, started seeing a sports psychologist um, for oh. different reasons. So I was still competing. Did the athletic therapy help the chronic pain that you were experiencing? 100%. It was the first thing that had worked actually. And, um, oh, that's so powerful. Um, and, and, um, did the pain end up coming back a few years later or have you been consistently doing athletic therapy since then? Um, I've been consistently doing various therapies since then for sure, but it was the first thing that really made a difference. And the biggest thing for me is that I noticed it changed my ability to perform as a rider too. Like it was, it was making me feel better, but then also Mm. like, you know, connect, connecting dots and making me better as an athlete which I hadn't really experienced before. And that's, that's maybe a whole other conversation. You know, that sport has, it's, it's not trend. It wasn't trendy at the time to, you know, cross training <laughs> therapy and all that stuff. It was very much like more trendy now though. Co- yeah. CrossFit especially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. So long story short, I, I met some therapists that year and then decided to take a gap year. That's when I went to New Zealand, was working in the uh, equestrian industry for a bit uh, ended up hating it, <laughs> uh, which was kind of like, you know, one of those moments where you think this is going to be your dream job, dream location. And then you're like, yeah. oh, this is actually, I hate this. Like, oh, <laughs> good to know, that. right? I've you had, had to learn that. it really hard way. But yeah. um, during my stay there, I'm lucky enough to have family there. Um, spent about a year in New Zealand before coming home. And during that process, just started to reflect on like the career options, right? Like, do I want to be in that high school situation? Is that really still important to me? As a gym teacher. As a gym teacher. Um, and what I really narrowed it down to, I, I actually still have it. I have like this pros and cons sheets so of three different oh, you careers. you did a pros so and cons like, list. <laughs> yeah, it's like in one of my old journals somewhere and I have like column for your phys ed teacher, all the things I liked about it, all the things that maybe weren't so great about it. Um, I had a column for sports psychology because I yeah. started seeing that psychologist at the time. And then... Um, had a column for athletic therapy and athletic therapy was the only one of those three that encompassed parts of the other two that I liked. Okay. Um, and that's what I remember seeing from the therapist I had started seeing at that time was, you know, she got to do the hands-on work. She got to work with various populations, like everything from kids to athletes to gen pop, like your general population, um, got a little bit of everything every day. Yeah. I was also doing some field work where you're on site with teams doing the medical response. So you're, um, you're basically tasting all of this different stuff. Yeah. All these different, um, experiences. What ended up leading you to not just going into massage work and physiotherapy, mm-hmm. but I understand that it's, you access people, you help people with their physical pain not just on a physical level, but on an emotional level as well, and potentially a spiritual level. I'm not sure how much work you do in that space, but how yeah. did you direct yourself from this sort of traditional athletic therapist, right, to now got diving into people's emotions a little bit more? And yeah, how do you yeah. get down that road? Um, that's, that's what I'm interested again, in. Again, my own injuries, <laughs> my yes. own stuff, I think, for lots of us, right? You go through your own stuff and you figure it out that way. And because yeah. I had already gone down this road, switched into that athletic therapy program, and because it's, you know, it is... Uh, to summarize that field you know it is your typical sport medicine based application right so you're doing your physical rehab that kind of thing i would say there's very minimal still to this day education when you're going through your baseline training on the mind body connection trauma trauma all of that don't even touch the the mental (laughs) emotional trauma you know that's not really touched in those programs just physical Um, trauma they just physical trauma you know the stress, stress and the psychological state that's come with that for sure yeah um i knew you know, based on my own experiences with injuries, how impactful it was to have the full team support, right? So have the psychological aspect, you know, have some sort of that, whether you frame it as spiritual or being able to place meaning behind that part of the journey, right? I think 
Um, you know, I think I do now in my practice for sure. I am tapping into some of that spiritual side to things. Yes. Would I label it as that? Probably not. Right. I would find a way to label it, you know, cause spiritual, spiritual applications I think can be isolating for some people. It can kind of catch term. Yeah. It can kind of, uh, divide an audience. Exactly. Yeah. And you yeah. know, even things like, you know, labeling things as trauma, right. Can do the same thing, but you yeah, know, right, it's always right. a creative way of finding, yeah. you know, I, I, I know the difference, you know, I know what applies and that definitely, I think now in my practice, there's my goal anyway, is to get the whole like rainbow spectrum of, of modalities in for people because that has always yeah. been what's worked for me the most it's having all sustainably. The whole color palette of yeah. different, different and having a team based approach, right. Or having a, what's a team based approach, you know, having multiple people working to support whatever the person oh so you you have other practitioners that work with one client um they often do yeah not directly through me but um you know more the the most successful cases i find do you know they have they have different people that are resourcing for different things um you know as much as i think some some of us would love to title ourselves as being able to do it all for a client i don't know if that's realistic right and you're going to get different things from different people as you go that's always been a big part of my story too right i have i still see that athletic therapist that inspired me to get into the career so beautiful i um, saw her this morning actually right you oh, know wow. she's been a long long-term member of my team I have the same sports psychologist you know he's there when i need to use him but now i also pull from the somatic fields i pull from the breathwork fields i um have a physio that i see on occasion right there's something you can get from different practitioners at all times yes so is um just so i'm clear is your main your main client base is it mainly they're coming in because they have muscular tension because they have a sports injury what's your main what does your main clientele look like or do people come to you for emotional challenges as well or is it mainly start off physical all of them. All of them. Okay. <laughs> at, this, at this point, yeah, I would, you know, it's um, hard to give it e- either one a percentage. I probably still have, you know, 30, 40% of my client base that comes to me for specifically a physical issue. Um, and then I probably have another 30, 40% that's coming to me now more for the breathwork side of things or the emotional support side of things or somewhere in the middle where it's that more nervous system regulation piece, right? There's a manifestation of stress somewhere in the system. Yes. Um, and we're using various tools, right? Whether that's hands-on therapies or your breathwork-based therapies yes. to support that, that I, outcome. I've, um, I've read that the best way to deal with someone or, or uh, an amazing t- uh, reason to use hand-based therapies and physical touch is for people that have trauma of omission, Mm. So like um, trauma of commission is like a physical abuse of some mm-hmm. sort. Trauma of omission is things that should have happened that didn't. Right. Yeah. I'm just for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Um, do you find that as well? Like that that um, that the hands-on therapy helps serves people not just for the physical manipulation but also the emotional connection of a physical touch. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, there's such my. You know, I've kept the body work aspect of my practice around because it is so powerful for lots of different reasons, right? But I find it's it's a very tangible direct way to influence the nervous system, right? More right. so often than just the physical nature of right. things. Realistically, if somebody's body is seized in a way, you know, I might get a temporary release with my hands if I'm going at it just for the physical release. Okay. But you'll be able to influence from my experience anyway, uh, a much better response from the whole system if you use the hands in a way that supports the nervous system, right? So sometimes, yeah, that's your deeper tissue massage, your whatever, your more structural body work. Um, the way I find I'm using it more often now is 
much more with, within that frame of trying to influence the nervous system, whether, yes, whether there's a history of trauma there or um, tra- omission-based trauma there, um, or you don't know, right? You're just working with, with the body in front of you. Yes. And uh, since you tapped on or uh, touched on some uh, nervous system practices, um, assuming some slower nose breathing, things of that nature, mm-hmm. maybe a longer exhale than the inhale, yeah. you know, all this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, could you maybe just guide us through 10 breaths? Sure. For everybody listening right now. Yeah. Um, maybe breathe with us if you'd like. We can all breathe together. Yeah. Just so, um, unless you're driving a car, unless it's really slow, maybe you can enjoy this in the car, but yeah. be safe. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I breathe in the car, not, not hyperventilation, yeah. but... For, uh, for liability purposes, I would recommend. Yes, okay. Yes, I do not do this. <laughs> yeah. I highly or strongly recommend against it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe just get a 10, a 10 breath. Just sure. a simple one that you found really helps um, your, your clients regulate their, their nervous system and add any other specificities that you'd like. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so what I would normally do with a client, um, again, do this somewhere where you're preferably undistracted by other things. Um you could either be seated or lying down for this. So whatever's comfortable for you, but start by just noticing your seat bones, noticing the feet on the floor. If you're seated, if you're lying down, noticing the back body, however you're resting against the surface. And then I'll invite you to actually place your hands on the sides of your rib cage. So kind of, yeah, as if you're holding something, um, it's kind of sandwiched between the hands right on the sides, the bottom half of the rib cage, let the eyes soften or close if that's comfortable for you. And then just start tuning into the breathing. So I like to use a coherent breath, especially when starting a session or starting with a client. So the invitation is going to be either in, in and out through the nose or through the mouth, whatever is most accessible to you in this moment. Tuning into the breath and inviting a four or five second in breath and about the same on the out breath. And inviting the breath into where the hands are, where you feel them resting against the body. If it's helpful, you might add just a little bit of pressure in onto the rib cage and let that guide the breath down. So I'll count out a 10 breath cycle here. So we're gonna in for five, one, two, three, four, five, and out for five. One, two, three, four, five. And in for five, one, two, three, four, five, and out. One, two, three, four, five. In for five, two, three, four, five, and out for five. Two, three, four, five. And just keep following that breath in for about five seconds and out. And if it's present for you on those exhales, just noticing the body settling into its posture a bit easier, feeling the seat bones or the back body on the exhale specifically, letting everything settle, letting the hands come into the sides as you exhale, and then feeling the expansion on the inhale a few more times. Sometimes it can be helpful to imagine the inhale inflating a balloon around that mid-body in between the hands. In a somatic sense, I'll often invite people to notice if there's a color to the balloon or a pattern to the balloon. As you inhale to inflate the balloon and exhale to release. A few more times.
After your next breath cycle, so one more conscious inhale and settling exhale. Just let the hands relax, keep the eyes closed for a moment. Let the focus on the breath relax and just let the breath take on its own rhythm. And just take a moment to keeping the eyes closed for a bit longer. Notice some of your more external facing senses. Notice a sound, a smell, something you can feel with the hands or on the skin. And just rotate through noticing each one of those senses for a couple rounds. And then eventually noticing your hands and your feet, maybe inviting a couple small movements, wiggling fingers or toes. And the last thing you'll do when you feel ready to is let the eyes open if they were closed and just softly take in the space around you. Notice different colors, objects, textures. And if any one thing feels nice or easy to look at, just let your eyes rest there for a moment. And as you feel ready to taking your time, just integrate yourself back into your space from there. How'd that feel? Incredible. Good. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so the coherent breath is something I go to pretty regularly as an as an intro, right? It's just the first step. And um, it, it's incredible because I just feel remarkably relaxed. I feel um, I feel very clear. I feel very centered. Mm -hmm. And what was that? Three minutes of my time. Yeah, I just took two three, minutes. Three, yeah. Two minutes. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I love breath work. Yeah. I, um, so, <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to, to give a guide just for everyone who um, who hasn't experienced that yet. Because uh, even just the power of it, three minutes of breath, it, it can mm -hmm. be absolutely transformative. Mm -hmm. Is there something that, what's something that you see in the healing space that you think society or, or the vast majority of Western medicine doesn't see as valuable? Hmm. You know, something that's always driven me this far anyway in my career is that holistic approach to an issue right whatever the issue may be for clients um currently the theme that i find that i'm i'm fixating on more and we kind of talked about this when you came in the door is you know the application of nervous system regulation specifically um as, as that first step, right? Regardless of what an issue is for somebody. Um, Cause from my experience at this point in my practice, you know, obviously recognizing that we're always learning, there's always something to be learned or things are gonna change, but you know, you can't do much in terms of change for, for a system until the nervous system is regulated or with you. Yes. Um, and there's that capacity or resource for people. Um, you know, breath work is such a powerful way to access that system. Um, you know, the way I usually frame it for clients is that the breath is one thing that we always have some level of conscious control over. Uh, so even if the system is otherwise quite dysregulated, right, that's, yes. that's your gateway. I keep using that word gateway, right? But it's kind of your entrance for that. Yeah. Place. And um, I'm, I'm getting excited that you mentioned that because um, 
Do you know Dan Brule? Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way he describes the, how nature gave us this, this automatic function mm-hmm. that we also have conscious control over. Right. And he says that wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. It was an invitation mm-hmm. to use that function to, to, to regulate ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I do think I agree with you that the, the breath for me is the best practice I've come across. Mm-hmm. Um, cuddles are really nice. Yeah. Um, dancing and singing are really beautiful, although they both involve breath work as well. Yeah. In the dancing and the singing especially. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I would love to, um, uh, to move this conversation to how how you've noticed how your your body work your breath work or maybe any other athletic therapy or any physical practice has helped clients with their emotional life mm-hmm. i want to move to the emotional life okay. i want to just tell a quick story uh, mainly for you actually because okay. it's such a cool story yeah um, i've never shared this actually on the podcast as well but so i was um this was about six months ago or so i was in bali um i was told i have a peanut allergy my whole life um, and I had so much fear around this because it was supposedly a deathly allergy. And so I, I fear every time there was peanuts brought up or may contain peanuts, I'm just freaking out if, I was, if it was in my space. So I had this emotional charge associated with this word called peanuts. Mm. And then I, I did, um, um, I ventured into Marissa Peer's work. Mm-hmm. And I did part of her RTT training course. Okay. And she mentioned something about how oftentimes allergies are developed at a very young age because the, we want attention and the, sometimes the, our only way to get attention is to be sick or to, to hmm. develop some physical response to something to get attention from our parents because there's emotion available so we have to be really sick to get some love right something about that intuitively resonated with me and since then I've been like wondering is that what happened with me right so I'm in Bali um, six months ago and I have two big slurps of this peanut shake I didn't know it was a peanut shake mm-hmm um, I thought it was just some chocolate shake. I'm like, this yeah. is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, funny <laughs> enough, peanuts are delicious. And um, and I had one. I had a couple other experiences where I had a small dose of a peanut accidentally and just breathe through it and release it. And it was a powerful experience. Like, wow, maybe I didn't, really don't have this allergy. It was inspiring, but I still had some fear. This time around, I have two huge slurps of this peanut butter, mm-hmm. more than probably three times as much as I've ever consumed in my life. Mm-hmm. My reaction was insane. Mm-hmm. My chest is burning. It was the first time I was having trouble breathing because of something in my chest. Mm-hmm. It was like tightening up in my chest. Mm-hmm. I've had it before in my throat, but I felt like I had control over my throat. Right. I did not feel in control at all in this experience. And so I'm freaking out. I'm like, maybe I need to go get my EpiPen. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, before I do that, because we're on this nice Bali trip and this vacation for, for a, a week I'm away on this island. So I'm like, I don't want to like ruin this, my whole vacation. Like I'm going to try to deal with this organically. Right. And so I'm like, I'm in the water, like screaming under the water. Maybe it's anger. What's the emotion that's present there? How do I feel right now? What's the emotion? I felt anger. So I'm yelling it out. Didn't really work. It worked a little bit, but luckily my friend Jeff was there and Jeff, he's like, um, this is his whole work. It's helping people release physical allergies or symptoms of, of all sorts Yeah. through emotional release. So Jeff takes me for the session. I'm like, I'm like, like half dying. I'm like, should yeah. I go back to him? Like Jeff, could you take me through a session, man? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, so he takes me away. We sit down next to this tree away from everybody. And um, he takes me through this brief session, just coaching session, just questions me back to this moment. And I was pretty uh, able to tap into my emotions and my body at this stage. So he could give me kind of a hypnotherapy session when I'm kind of more conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes me back to this moment when I'm one year old. One thing led to another. It was about me um, not being comfortable in my power, shining my light, hmm. um, and just needing attention. And I just begin bawling my eyes and I'm crying. And I wasn't crying like a 10-year-old. I was yeah. crying like a one-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like fully. Yeah. It was a one-year-old crying then. Yeah. And um, here's the craziest thing. 
I let out this huge emotional release. I've cried. I've never heard this cry from myself before. I've cried so many times. I never heard the one-year-old cry or whatever mm-hmm. it was. I kid you not, within two minutes, I am not exaggerating, within two two minutes, maybe three to four, all the symptoms are gone. Wow. Except for some redness in, in my arms. Like, But the tension, it was like it vanished. Hmm. And this was like this physical allergy that doctors had told me, you have it. Mm-hmm. It's just something you have. Mm-hmm. You can't get rid of it. I have all this fear. One powerful emotional release, and I'm in the experience. It's like, it's go time. It's like, this is my life at stake. Right. And that was, it vanished. And that was the moment for me when I, it, it, I read all the books about it. It experientially just clicked. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. How many other physical symptoms do we think are genetic um, something you're born with, uh, like like a brain disease or something, mm-hmm. that are actually just emotional blockages or right. traumas. Right. Um, and so I want to open this conversation up for you and your experience working with any clients and any emotional releases you've seen with your physical therapy or any other emotional work that you do with your clients. Mm-hmm. And and just like anything that you can say that would really help somebody listening. If, if they have a physical pain or if there's something emotional in their life, like what's a way that they can start to deal with it in a tangible way? Maybe with some physical therapy or body work. Mm-hmm. And then any other experiences you can share on like how to deal with uh, physical symptoms with emotional work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting topic. And I think there's so many examples and avenues you could go with, you know, that, I- that idea. Um, cause I think there is a lot of diagnoses we receive as we go through life or, you know, lots of patients that I've met that, you know, end up with this diagnosis of this is it, this is what you got, you know, it's an allergy, it's this illness or it's whatever. Um, and it doesn't always, the nature of a diagnosis seems very permanent and that's something that I've never yes. aligned with. Um, you know, well, of course, knowing that there's going to be cases where, yeah, sure. There's the possibility that that's. Um, you know the case or there's things to work through in, in, in within that diagnosis but a lot of the times in my experience and definitely the attitude I try and bring into my practice is that diagnosis or not you know everything anything that we are experiencing whether it's physical or emotional in its manif- manifestation um, is essentially a message for us right or something yes. residual from you know something we've experienced in the past yes um in my practice, you know, because I find a lot of the clients that I'm working with, I find that I'm often bridging the gap between that, like, alternative, holistic realm and the more, like... Oh, I totally see that for Westernized you. Yes. rehab, you know, because I've experienced both and I've yes. seen benefit in both at different times. Yes. The most benefit I've received is when they're working in tandem together. So... Yes unintentionally or intentionally I'm not sure but that seems to be the place I've ended up with in my practice because I have those westernized kind of degrees right I have the degrees on the wall yeah that label me as this type of therapist um but there's room in that scope of practice where I've been able to bring in some of the more alternative um modalities so you know awesome. your breath work your um you know tapping into that psychosomatic manifestation of things now some of the clients that walk in my door they're not in a place where they're even considering that other, you know, the emotional manifestation of something physical. Yeah. And, yeah. 
you know, my job as a therapist isn't necessarily to force that on them either. For sure. Right? You know, Everyone's on their own to, journey. People are going to come to a place where they're ready for it or they're not. And they're, that's where, you know, I might be using more of those typical modalities with them. You know, your physical applications, your movement-based stuff, um, all the things that I know to work very well for the physical uh, manifestation of things. And like for all we know, at this stage of their journey, that's exactly what they need. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. who are we to, to push anything on yeah. them? Yeah. And then, you know, I, I've seen more and more in recent years that there's people coming in saying, yeah, my back has hurt forever or I have this bad shoulder or whatever, but I also know that I've experienced trauma or I'm experiencing stress or I'm seeing all these ways where my symptoms get worse when I'm in this environment or whatever. And there's that link starting to happen between, you know, what's happening happening on a physical level in terms of symptoms or even a diagnosis um, and what they are starting to see to be true for them based on their more emotional or nervous system's history. One of the reasons I keep coming back to the language of the nervous system is that, right? Because it's a really nice bridge point for either direction. It so is. Um, And I find that I'm framing a lot of the breath work I do specifically to the language of nervous system regulation because so many of the symptoms we're going to get, so an allergy as an example, which I don't personally work directly with that diagnosis very often, but I can see how it would relate to this because it's very similar to any other autoimmune condition. You know, your Hashimoto's or your um, fibromyalgia isn't necessarily quite an autoimmune, but that's it as a diagnosis I work with quite a bit is those chronic pain diagnoses, myofascial syndromes. Um, All of those, you know, diagnoses have links between both systems, right? Yeah, there's going to be a physical manifestation in terms of pain or tense areas or, you know, any of those... Inflammation. Inflammation, all those things. But there's also potentially a very clear link to different emotional patterns that have come with this, whether they're a result of or they caused or a bit of both. Usually it's a bit of both in my experience. Mm. Um, The nervous system, because it's a predictive system, right? I um, actually posted, you know, I think last week on my Instagram, comparing it to the algorithm. Uh You know, something I think all of a sudden... To the Instagram algorithm? Yeah. Oh, so funny. (laughs) I saw my Instagram, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it's, you know, I was essentially linking, I mean, the algorithm is something I loosely understand. And I feel like that's most of us with the nervous system too, right? And that we have the general makeup of what it does and how it works but they work actually very similar things they're predictive technology right so our nervous system is yes controlling everything that we do but it's also working off of patterns it's working off predictions based on what it has experienced in the past so anything you've experienced whether that's emotional physical even things like your reaction to a sensation like pain or tension that's going to come from patterns you learn usually early on in life um, and because our bodies like efficiency nervous systems love efficiency it forms patterns off of those expectations so a lot of the things we experience Mm. in terms of sensations are expectations of a sensation in some on some oh you're gonna be so (laughs) excited right now so so (laughs) i find that's where i'm working a lot even even if it's somebody that's coming in with just a physical issue so you know i have a number of clients right now that have you know similar presentations of shoulder impingements right shoulder tension shoulder pain they can't move into certain ranges of motion there hasn't always been, you know, a history of like direct trauma to the shoulder. It's just kind of this insidious onset of shoulder tension and pain. Um, and a lot of these clients I would categorize as maybe not, you know, they're not coming to me saying, I know that I have trauma or emotional stuff in this shoulder, right? They're coming to me saying, my shoulder hurts. Can you fix it? Yes. <laughs> so it's much more of that traditional like physical therapy. Can you fix it? Can you yeah, work on me, make the pain go away, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the conversation I'm having a lot with them is... You know, yes, there's going to be things that we are going to do to support the physical environment, right? Yeah, there's certain movements, there's certain hands-on work, therapies we're going to do to try and reset that environment. 
But then second to that, we also have to have the conversation around sometimes the sensations that you feel in your body are expectations or predictions from your nervous system, right? So if it's always, if we're just sitting on the physical realm, if it's always hurt to move this way or it's hurt that way consistently over the last number of weeks or months, your body is going to learn to expect that pain when you go into that range of motion. So at a certain point, we need to reframe the sensation of pain if it's within a reasonable zone, right? You're not going to go and do something crazy and right. potentially injure that that area. But if you can move mindfully and slowly in a way that's within a window of tolerance for your experience of sensation, we can start to renegotiate that sensation of or that expectation of, right? Pain. So, so you've just that is so awesome. Um, <laughs> so you're basically talking about this this um, introceptive message. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the body to the brain saying when I move my knee in this way it's painful so every time I do this even if I have physical therapy Mm -hmm. you know with Kathleen for a few months I should still expect that just because the body you said the nervous system likes efficiency and so we don't want to let go of this expectation because we have to create a whole new pattern that's just less efficient Mm -hmm. that's what I'm hearing from you Mm -hmm. okay Um, and it's interesting how I was literally just reading about this this morning it's so guided that you're Mm -hmm. mentioning this now how um if we if our mood is different, we view those introceptive messages differently. Totally. Just totally. If, our, if our mood yeah. is different. Yeah. So, what then does that say about? What then does that say about physical pain or our ability to to kind of be mind over matter? If literally just our mood, something as simple as just being positive versus negative, let's just say to make it mm-hmm. super simple, mm-hmm. can literally change our experience of what we call a physical illness or this is I have this knee problem if you're in a positive state what if it's no longer a problem so what does that say about pain in its relation to emotion I mean they're so connected and in a lot of ways you know obviously pain is not an emotion but I, I lump them all into the same categories in terms of physical responses because um, really all of, all of these symptoms right so pain various emotions different um, physical states tension all that stuff inflammation to it to an extent they're all essentially messages from our nervous system right on that body focused sense um you could take many avenues spiritual and otherwise around that too but um you know pain at its core is a message from our nervous system that it's perceiving a threat right so that might be a real-time threat right that might be yeah you just strained a muscle when there's something vulnerable here right but it can also be a perception right so you walk into a stressful environment um and stressful could be a new environment right not necessarily directly threatening um you're experiencing that your system remembers to be potentially threatening to your survival on some level and for us as humans we're complex in that everything emotional is potentially weighing into our survival right right? we're we're tribe-based biology you know biologic beings so um social social avenues are very important to our well-being and survival right um, on that primal sense yes um so and that's something i ask my clients to pay attention to right you know when you're in different environments how does what's your sensation like um and can you be mindful of that right it's not always a direct evidence but it can it's more often than not you know people will notice oh when i'm at work in a stressful meeting my neck really bothers me yes versus at home i'm watching a movie in a really comfortable relaxed environment the pain isn't as bad right um, and there's lots of different ways where those messages can be mixed, right? Or we'll perceive something as threatening where it's not objectively threatening. Um, and that's some of that expectation, predictive nature of our nervous system too. Yes, yes. 
that is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to finish off this podcast with one message that you have for the world. Okay. If you had to give one message to the world. That's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole world probably won't hear this. My podcast yeah. isn't that famous yet. Um, but uh, if you did have one message for the world or if you could, if you could leave behind you know, one to th- pick three if one's too difficult. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you could, if you could pick just a, just a couple messages to leave behind that you really think would, would benefit the quality of a person's life the most, mm. what would those messages be? One to three you, you pick. Um, okay. Well, the, the biggest thing, the most important thing I find that I'm working with for myself, but also especially with clients lately is the best thing you can do for yourself wherever you are on a healing journey or your journey in general is to recognize that every sensation, every pain, every whatever from your body that you're experiencing has at some point been a way for it to protect you. So everything your body does is is an attempt to ensure your survival. Obviously, survival doesn't always mean feeling good, feeling happy, feeling content, right? right. But everything your body comes up with as a response um whether it's emotional or physical is an attempt to make sure that you're well it's proof that you've survived (laughs) something has worked right something's gotten you this far um so the first step in in any sort of renegotiation of physical manifestations or or emotional symptoms is recognizing that right recognizing that your body is working for you not against you you have to make friends with that um second thing is learning from that place relearning perhaps is a better way of framing that how to have a conversation with your body and that's the biggest part of my mm. practice now is that somatic work using breath work um to one find where somebody's window of tolerance is in their nervous system so that we can start to rebuild that language that communication from body to mind and vice versa um in a mindful way right to build that relationship back right find a way to make friends <laughs> at yes. the very least right yes um working business partners maybe is for some people it's a really <laughs> start right um but it's a relationship like any other so it's, it's i'm gonna steal that from you yeah. that's good <laughs> yeah. that's really good it's a working relationship yeah. yeah um so yeah making friends making making a relationship happen with your body a functional relationship where you can have a conversation and be aware of all of its messages um and it's from that place that we can really start navigating renegotiating whether it's trauma physical stuff that kind of thing um but that's 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 i think my big take home is <laughs> i love it i absolutely yeah, love find it. a way to find a way to build that relationship and then a lot anything can happen from there yeah oh i'm so with you and if anyone just tries that heart coherence breath that we did just taking that away from this podcast and, and really implementing that in your life in and of itself will be transformative mm-hmm. um so um, thank you so much for your time. This was an extremely fun conversation for me. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. Just thank, thank you for taking the time and sharing what you've shared. And um, I'm so glad I made the trip out here because we actually, I saw the space downstairs mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm doing a breath work here before I leave. <laughs> yeah. It's like the perfect space to host a breath work. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's incredible. So um, just thank you for um, having this. Um, yeah, I'm really grateful. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. Um, and for everyone listening, thank you so much for your time. I hope this was valuable for you. And yeah, try the heart coherence breath, Um, but keep trying, keep going. Um, Life is fun even when it's challenging, so um, give it your best shot. Send you guys lots of love. See you in the next episode.